Hi, thanks for tuning in. This is Druggist for the People. This podcast will contain my feelings and opinions and uh, stories from from my practice in pharmacy, but none of this should be taken as just hardcore fact. This is more about stimulating questions that you can then take to your pharmacist and your doctor and your healthcare team uh, to help you better understand and participate in your care. And once again, just a little reminder, if you're looking for medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, you won't find it here. You need to use your healthcare professional for that. Today, the people is Carol, and Carol knows how to be the people. Hi, Carol. Hi. I, I like to think of myself as a people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, have you got something for me today? Um, somebody wrote in and asked us um, about sleep medication, Lunesta specifically. Right. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that. Uh, I, I think that sleep is an interesting thing. We've talked. We did have an uh, episode about over-the-counter sleep aids, mm-hmm. which was, I think, helpful because it's nice to be able to go into the drugstore or the grocery store and see if there's something. So, if you have a question about that kind of thing, you can go to to that episode. But Lunesta is not over-the-counter, so it's a little bit of a different deal here. Uh, sleep is a funny thing. It's I, I, when I have problems. I, sometimes I think it's because I'm trying to experience it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everybody in our age category has some issue with sleep. You mean between the ages of twenty and sixty-five? Um, no, <laughs> a shade older <laughs> than that. <laughs> older than that? No. Well, I mean, I, I forty-five to sixty-five. Yeah, yeah that's right. Forty-five. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so. Anyhow, I, there is like this, when you're going to sleep, that really nice, delicious sort of feeling that you might have just as you're getting there and then off you go and there's no, no control as what happens after that. But yeah, unless somebody has a question for you, right? As you're drifting off. <laughs> Not that that happens. <laughs> no, that's never happened before to anybody ever. <laughs> um, so we have to just real quick talk about all the stuff that, you know, might be non-med options, which is, I think, always the first and best thing you could probably do is to try and figure out, is there a way to fix this without going on the medication thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's other other conditions that can cause it, pain, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, asthma, Alzheimer's, that kind of, so there's plenty of, there's others. So making sure that, that you're, you're, just in good health in general, and that you might not have something else that's causing the sure. insomnia. There's a lot of stuff out there about um, how to help yourself. Yeah, sleep hygiene. Keeping the room cool and that sort of thing. Have you heard of that word, that phrase, sleep I hygiene? I have, I have. I think that means you take a shower before you go to bed. <laughs> Make sure you brush your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the sleep hygiene thing is just what you're talking about with the temperatures, like quiet, dark room. Uh, the temperature, you know, the, it's cool. No TV or computers or phones, you know. That whole blue light thing. I suppose so. No caffeine or alcohol right before. Um, get exercise, but not late in the day. Uh, that's sleep hygiene. Mm-hmm. So, so back off of the Red Bull at five. <laughs> yeah. Decrease stress. Oh, well, that's easy. Check. Right. And <laughs> uh, less or no naps. I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know where I stand on that. I've never been a good napper. Well, sometimes nap's a nice thing. But I know when, for me, if, if I fall asleep 
really readily and have a good night. I've usually been very active during mm-hmm. the day, mm-hmm. and that's both physically and mentally. So, well, you've experienced uh, me having a nap and waking up and just mean. So, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> I never have, Carol. Liar, <laughs> liar. <laughs> so. Uh, this is the usual thing. We're back back to the Lunesta. The whole the idea of risk benefit has to be discussed. Mm-hmm. You know, every person needs to to think about this with whatever the drug is. In this case, Lunesta is a uh, it's a sedative hypnotic, which is, sounds yeah that sounds scary. I know. Um, so it gets into the brain, and is that why the commercial talks about you may walk in your sleep, you may try to drive the car in your sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that that actually is those high risk behaviors that can come that can pop up with this group of drugs because mm-hmm. that the first one in the group was Ambien, and that was when it was first seen. Uh, how did I get to the grocery store <laughs> and home? <laughs> with, in my I, jammies. <laughs> yeah, and lots of other things can happen. Uh, so that's that is obviously uh, something to be aware of. Yeah, and this whole risk management thing, and I think people might be surprised. So this group, um, let's see, how can I? Um, so in this business of going to sleep is like everything else about our body, which is homeostasis. So these opposing actions that result in some kind of balance. So there's things that will promote a sleep process, and there's there's, there's things that promote being awake, and then there's there are these circadian cycles you know about being night and day and when these things happen so these it's all interacting so which one do we choose do we try to hit on the things that promote sleep and and make those a little more effective or do we stop the things that wake us up that kind of thing so these will promote the processes that 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 help us go to sleep naturally mm-hmm. so again we're we're getting into this whole feedback thing and having an effect with these drugs, that's what we're doing. Um, does Lunesta, how does Lunesta work? Okay, so there are, have you heard of GABA receptors? I think, I know I've mentioned these yeah. a few times. So it's, it's this chemical designation, GABA aminobutyric acid. It's in your, it's in the, the brain, and it, when when these receptors are stimulated, they have an inhibitory effect. So you're stimulating this receptor but what the receptor is is like oh i it, it has an inhibitory effect it so it's put a person can go to sleep if they uh are taking something that attaches to these receptors man that was boring <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you know the benzodiazepines xanax and halcyon and restoril those valium librium those are benzodiazepines they get into your head they hit these inhibitory receptors and stimulate them like, oh, I'm not so anxious anymore. I'm ready to go to sleep and that guy. Well, okay. so uh, Lunesta also uh, connects with that receptor, but just like a little bit differently. And the idea was to be more specific than just the the benzos, which are sedatives. Uh, this, so that's what Lunesta is supposed to be doing is connecting with that receptor, the, the GABA, and Give in, in stimulating this inhibitory action, which just helps helps you go to sleep and stay asleep. Okay. There's some short acting like benzos that will help you get to sleep, but they don't work throughout the evening. So this one is Lunesta, 
And so the thing, the few that we can think about together are uh, Sonata, Ambien, and Lunesta. They're in the same group. Okay. So they will help you get to sleep and help you stay asleep throughout the night. Are there things to look out for with taking any of those meds besides not trying to drive the car when you're sleeping? Yeah, yeah. There's there's so many things, and this is this is why this is worth doing because um, you just go in. I can't sleep, and hopefully you have some dialogue mm-hmm. with your healthcare professional before you just end up taking something. These are really designed to be to be used for short term. You know, seven to ten days. Oh, well, so. Not- so stay on it forever no no and some like if you're on 12 months well the odds your chances of dependence on it can go up and this kind of thing and people do stay on them and again i'm not here to just say stop that but rather you know have the dialogue mm-hmm. is this what i should continue to do mm-hmm. um how effective is this you know is there something else just continue that conversation that that you should be having with your uh, your doc and your healthcare team to make sure you're doing the right thing so your question was, there, were there things to be concerned about? So mm-hmm. one is like, how long are you going to use this? And there's some of these, there are other products. We'll cover other options for insomnia prescription aids. But there's so many, I think we just need to stick with this little group. Mm-hmm. But there are other options that are kind of designed more for long-term use. Okay. So um, aside from that, there are a lot of um, possible side effects like headache and gastrointestinal things are fairly common. Mm-hmm. And here again, we've talked about this with other drugs, almost every other drug. But there are all these side effects, and you get these brochures, and it's like, oh, there's only 130 possible side effects. <laughs> In teeny tiny print. <laughs> this is better than the last one that had 420. And if you look at the fine print, it'll scare you to death. Yeah. So anyway, the like healthcare professionals, pharmacists in particular, will be – some of the literature will – uh, give a breakdown on the incidence. So like greater than 10% chance of something happening. And then there's a category one to 10% chance. And, and both of those are, are significant. Mm-hmm. And then anything less than 1%, which is anything that's ever been out Reported there. Out. But usually the more significant of those, the more potential, that those are listed. So the those common things like the headache and gastrointestinal things are are, are out there. But when you look at the more common things, it. I'll go through some of them, but there's there's pages of this. Mm-hmm. So um, bad, unusual, pleasant taste, belching, change in taste. This again is gastrointestinal stuff. Dry mouth, heartburn, indigestion, um, pain, stomach discomfort. So again, here those are gastrointestinal things from taking the meds and the headaches in there. Um, and then you get into less common, which is like this one to ten percent chance um, abnormal dreams. I have heard of people having crazy dreams. Yeah, and I think that's significant. <laughs> I do too. I really do. Um, and, but, but to be aware, and again, let's talk about what we always... Keep track of when you start and write down any weird things that happen when you're taking it. And when I say weird, just different than your normal. Absolutely, Carol. I mean, mm-hmm. that is it. That is so important because that, to have a clear picture, to look back and go, what is? why is this happening? Get mm-hmm. these little details, and it includes... Have you dramatically changed your diet? There are a lot of drug-drug interactions and some drug-food interactions, drug uh, supplement type interactions. I think mm-hmm. I can't. I think St. John's Wort might be one that interacts. Kava. There's, um, I think, potential with grapefruit juice. So there's so many 
things. That could also. Yeah, so keep track of them. You and Mm -hmm. I have both experienced this. When we just pay attention, we're like, oh. Yes. And and you can you can you can change one little thing, and it has a significant effect. So absolutely, yeah. Um, I should mention here that when we think about drug drug interactions, which I kind of just mentioned, um, there are I read a documentation of three hundred sixty two drug interactions with, with this Lunesta. Class of drug. Wow, yeah, right. So some are more significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the point here is, and I, we recommend this very often too, is when you're at the pharmacy, this simple question, are there any drug-drug drug, drug interactions I should be aware of or concerned about? Yeah, because your pharmacist should have a list of everything you're taking. You'll be able to you, take a look and see. Right. And hopefully yeah. you're getting, you know, you, they've got that complete list. And this is the wonderful thing about having that pharmacist on your healthcare team. Have that person that you can go to where she or he mm-hmm. knows you. And can really spend some time. Um, the whole, you know, the Healthcare Act. Some of that was just about let's make sure that we share all this healthcare information so that when the providers are making decisions along with the patient, that there's a whole, a whole clear picture. But right, and have I all think the information. I, it's super smart for me, I think, to have that one person, that mm-hmm. one store, yeah, and have all that information there. You're assured of it because sometimes. It's not shared between different disciplines and doctors and sure and states things happen. And, so absolutely increase your odds of success. Yeah. So there's there's a lot. And just real quick, we'll kind of wrap this up on side effects and stuff. But like, there are some things that are listed. The incidence is not known. So you, all we know that's been reported. And that, for instance, a change in sense of smell. Hmm. And I mean. That would be something you write that down in your notebook about. You I started this two COVID. months ago. Well, it, it, there's a lot of things. Yeah. But this is potentially. Mm-hmm. So you can then go to your pharmacist or your, your physician. This would be a good chance for your pharmacist to participate and say, is this possible? Right. It is. Possibly. Loss of memory, dots. hoarseness, lower back pain. Wait, um, do you turn into a horse? <laughs> or you not, dream about horses <laughs> not horsiness carol horseness <laughs> i see yeah <laughs> and there are uh, dozens of less common so again the point is communicate yes so there these are these yes. risk benefits that we yes. talk about uh to to try and address other causes and and solve the problem that you might be having getting to sleep or staying asleep. Mm-hmm. There are behavioral uh, cognitive therapies, you know, how to put your thoughts to bed so that you can go Calm to bed your and mind. To sleep. Yes. And um, that whole sleep hygiene thing. Um, they're, they're just, these are things that are really worth doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't. Again, I'm try, not trying to say people shouldn't use these, but these these are intended to be used short term. Um, that said, when someone's on this and been on this for some time and on a regular basis, these are control four, which we've talked about control substances mm-hmm. one through five, one being having the highest a, a risk for abuse mm-hmm. and dependence, and five the least. And these are fours. So it's considered low abuse potential, low dependence potential. Mm-hmm. But if a person's on them on, for, on a regular basis for for months, certainly, but not to just stop them because then you may get some symptoms. So you need to talk to your doctor uh, and get I a see. recommendation for if you're going to 
If, you if, can. if she or he is thinks that's a good idea and you have a discussion, then you probably are want to just gradually Step reduce down. the dose. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly right. Um, was there anything else you had for me? I think that's it. Okay. I feel like we've, um, there's just so many things that can be going on with these drugs and just, we can't cover every single no. thing no. that, that you, you need to be concerned about. But th this group of drugs enlisting the, the help of your, your pharmacist to understand this and there's the drug interactions using any other kind of CNS depressant, uh, is not a good idea. That's alcohol, benzos, uh, pain meds, opiates, opioids, and this kind of thing. And also, like using it in a sort of common sense way, these things they kick in really quickly. Mm -hmm. So don't don't take it while you're watching the evening news and then think you're gonna <laughs> like take that's it at a party. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no. Until you take it when you're going to bed. Yeah. And they they're gonna keep you you know. Asleep for seven to eight hours. So if you got to get up in five, uh, probably not a good idea. Yeah, that's not gonna. So so it's just using it in a way that makes sense. And as far as dosing, generally older folks, it's lower dose to start, like one milligram. Um, sometimes younger people, maybe two. But I always think the you know the less the better to get the intended effect. So one mm -hmm. milligram generally, three milligrams is a max. Mm -hmm. um, I love how when we are with people in our age group. Um, First, the conversation is about your most recent ailments, and somehow we always end up talking about sleep as the next thing. <laughs> it doesn't seem like anyone is sleeping very well. I know, because so many ailments can like lead to, oh, I can't sleep. And then when you don't get sleep, like the perception of pain uh, goes up, even if the yes. level of pain might actually be nothing's changed. but you're And people snoring and spouses snoring. Not that you snore, <laughs> uh, but... Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I I guess, should we say something about addiction and tolerance and dependence? Do we need to do that? You don't think so? Well, no, whatever you think. Well, okay. Like tolerance just refer, re, re, refers to like if you are taking one milligram and after four months, if you've been taking it fairly regular, and again, this is assessing each time you see your doc and when you think, you know, it's necessary to the risk benefit, then you might need more to get the same effect, and that's tolerance. Mm -hmm. And then dependence is just if you've been taking it and what would happen if you stopped, would you have a physical response? And um, So those those two things just kind of really are in, indications of like the the drug use. And then addiction is this behavioral, it's a, it's a neurochemical change in the brain where there is a preoccupation and compulsive use, and it's considered a disease. So it's completely, mm -hmm. you know, these are like these little distinctions in the uh, lexicon of the healthcare professionals. So anyway, that's they get thrown around a lot. But addiction is like a uh, that's considered a disease and a step up. If if someone becomes dependent, there's some tolerance. They can be indications that someone might be heading there, but they're not. Not the, the way that we use society wise uh, culturally the word addiction. Maybe no. not the same thing. Right, right, right. It's it's much more uh, specifically defined. Medical uh, term. Medical term, absolutely. Thank you, Carol. Okay. So I I, I think that we've covered it. I just, um, if you have questions, you know, we can do what we can here. You can contact us at uh, drugisforthepeople at gmail.com. But mm -hmm. it's really what we're doing is just trying to get that conversation going. 
right, right. that you can have with your healthcare team. Yep. And so talk to talk to that pharmacist. And again, I, this drug and any drug, hey, are there any drug-drug interactions? Yes. Because there probably will be. But yes. do they, how significant, and do we manage them? And is you know, it's a good right. thing to know. And track what you're doing. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate here, as you. Usual. Yeah. And I appreciate you all listening. This Nighty has- night. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. This has been and will be Druggist for the People. <laughs>